0: It's coming, football's coming. Oh, sorry, I know, I know. <laughs> it's too soon. I can see the pain on some people's faces. It's amazing I, that song started to rise up, and I could see smiles around the room. It was like a great moment. Hopefully, you all sung a little bit of that. I mean, I'm now. 58, right, and I still keep in touch or I've just got in touch with all my old school friends and uh, all I got over that time was little videos, I'm sure you did, with other friends of another context where people are singing that song, It's Coming Home. Anyone here not sing it at any point? Jenny, I know. I know Jenny didn't. As much as I tried to help, Jenny would not join in with that song. Okay, let's... I don't have a long time, so we're not going to focus too much on that. But I think singing, right, it's, the song series is sing, and we love to sing, don't we? Most of us, if not all of us, I think it's part of just the way God has created us. We have been singing that song, what we just heard there, since 1996. And, uh, you know, this time around, it brought some positivity. Otherwise, other years, other tournaments, it was like it was a kicking in the, uh, it it was a kick somewhere that really was painful, it was like, you know, that's how that song came across, it was like mocking us every time, at least this time, semi-finals, and we got a little bit of pleasure and joy out of it, but you know, even if England had won the World Cup, which was a big if and it didn't happen, you know, by now we probably would have all gone, oh well, back to life, you know, life goes on, and uh, we, me and Jenny, we've got a neighbour just opposite us, his name's Matthew. He's from France, just thought I'd help you there in case you didn't get the accent that I was trying so hard with. (laughs) I'll probably call him Matthew, but anyway, his name's Matthew. And uh, I've said to him a few times, have you enjoyed the World Cup "Yes, yes." That's my (laughs) French (laughs) accent. He said, but back to normal, you know. (laughs) I know it's getting worse as the time goes on. That's the end of the accent. And uh, he shrugs his shoulders, life goes on, you know. So even if we'd have won the World Cup, we would have got, you know, we'd have enjoyed it. We'd have been out singing on the streets. Jenny wouldn't have done; she'd have probably still been doing some other task or whatever. But most of us would have enjoyed it. But it would have subsided by now. That's pretty clear, I reckon. But there is something really pleasurable in singing. Whatever you know, sometimes it's a fleeting pleasure. So just to keep the football thing going on, I, I support Fulham. As maybe one or two of you don't know. <laughs> And uh, this year, for the first time in uh, 43 years, we got to Wembley. And uh, that's a long time, 43 years. And it was amazing. It was the most amazing experience for me in a sporting, you know, obviously just on a sporting level. And I took Jenny with me. So, you know, you can probably guess where this is going after the last bit, you know. So it was, I think Jenny just looked on me with amusement as I'm singing all these songs But there is something joining in together, singing and enjoying it corporately, which is just really wonderful. And and singing does that, doesn't it? You know, the Fulham thing was a fleeting thing, right? Sporting events, concerts and stuff like that. We can have real highs and that's brilliant. And, you know, God's given us that gift, isn't he, to sing and be to participate in something. And that's what God does. And this is the first part of a summer series, as has been said, called Sing. And uh, obviously it's all about worship. And really my hope is that this isn't six weeks of uh, what should we do, let's get a quick series in. This changes us and that we get affected by this and we encounter God week after week in our times and not only just affects us on a Sunday for six weeks but affects us daily for the rest of our lives. That's really clear what God wants for us, is to know him and worship him in in the fullest of measure, as best we can, for as long as we can, till we die. What a great thing. I mean, that sounds like a big expectation of a six-week series, but, but why not? God can change us in this time. So that's my hope. It's not some sort of filler that we do, but we encounter God, and we continue encountering God. And I've got, I'm just keeping it simple, so you can keep track of where we're going in terms of how much longer you've got to Listen, but I've got four points, right? So at least you know where we're going with this. And, uh, and when I'm done with that, we're going to come back together and sing and, and really enjoy God's presence and encounter him. That's my hope and expectation for this morning and every Sunday. So the first point, which, look, it's amazing, it's even coming up on here. We're, we're working well. I've got these slides to the people on time as well, so that's another little moment for me. Anyway, so first thing, first point, created to sing. And as I said earlier, Deep down, I think we all love a bit of singing. When I was younger, I used to go around the house singing and whistling all the time. And uh, it was either a song from the terraces of Fulham, which probably at my age, I probably shouldn't have been singing some of the words. But anyway, that was what I was doing. And the other thing I used to sing a lot was Bob Marley songs. Now, I know you could probably think I can't believe that's true. But that's, that's what I used to go around the house doing, singing and whistling and stuff like that. Now, I didn't get loads of encouragement, to be honest. My dad was like, can you please stop that noise? He didn't always say it quite with a word, please. And he added a few other words in there to encourage me to stop singing. But I loved it. You know, and as a young person, it was like, I enjoyed this. I'm getting a lot out of this. And, uh, you know, like like I say, you know, it wasn't always easy. But when I first became a Christian, and I haven't got a particularly good singing voice. You know, if you've sat around me, you'll go, well, you know, it's... It's just below average, I'll give myself, you know. But anyway, that doesn't matter. God's given us, he's created us to sing, whether we are amazingly good singers, or whether we are average singers, or downright terrible singers. He's given us an ability to sing. He's created us to sing. He's created us to enjoy singing. And some of it, as I said, is this overview that just is, whether you're a Christian or not, you can enjoy singing. But it might just be for a moment. But he's got something so much more for us. When we sing, it's enjoyable, it's engaging, our emotions are affected. And I think we do enjoy singing together. There's something about celebrating. C.S. Lewis said something along these lines He says, Our praise is the complete, it completes the, the enjoyment. Our praise completes the enjoyment. And I think that's when we do something together where there's a sense of. That's, that's the fulfilment of what I'm enjoying is this giving praise. So that's what I think God has made us to do. And, and it's no surprise because God has made us like to want and know and live in community. We often talk about this in church is to be part of community is really, really important, not to get isolated and, and stuck. And that's not a surprise really because God is the perfect community, Father, Son and Holy Spirit in perfect harmony. And so it's no surprise that he's created us to sing. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, For you formed formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. I mean, I don't have to expand on that too much. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. He designed us not only to speak and communicate, but to sing. We all have the same apparatus pretty much in how to sing. A voice box, lungs, breathing apparatus and all that. And we've got the ability to sing. God's created us that way. It's part of our design. We're all singers. We're not all great singers, but we're all singers. And more significantly, we're created to sing to God. Psalm 98 says this, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the King, the Lord. In those verses there, there is a lot of singing, a lot of shouting and musical instruments. There's a place for all. I like the fact there's a lot of shouting. Because when you shout, you know, it doesn't matter if you're good at singing or not. You know, it's just a noise, isn't it? But we're making a noise to God. What a great thing for every one of us. There's a place for us to join this great throng of singing to Jesus what a privilege that is we're created to glorify God and enjoy him forever and this is the chief end of what we're about chief end of man when singing praise to God together we are doing what we're designed to do so that that's our first point we're created to sing our second point is this we are commanded to sing there are loads of verses we could spend hours just going through the Psalms and other places where there's a command for us to sing But let's just look at one verse, uh, Psalm 96 verse 1 to 3. It says this, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds amongst the peoples. It's very directional. Sing, just get on with it, get singing. He commands us to sing. And uh, I remember way back when I first became a Christian, because you could go, he commands us to sing, he's demanding that we sing. And, uh, you know, I remember talking to this guy, I was a roofer at the time, so the, the, you know, it's pretty, it's always black and white and blunt and stuff like that. And he said to me, How could you follow a God that is so egotistical, that demands that you sing to him, that demands that you follow him, that demands you worship him? And uh, I sort of scratched my head a bit in those days, thinking, sounds, I can sort of see his point almost in the cold light, the way he's presented it. And, uh, and I didn't really have a good enough answer. I knew he was wrong, but I couldn't quite answer him. And, uh, but let's look at something in the Bible. John 17, verses 1 to 5, says this. I'll read it from there, because my translation might be different. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, "'Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, "'since you have given him authority over all flesh.'" to to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world. And this is Jesus praying to the Father. And you're thinking, how does this time with the command to sing? Remember, Jesus is it's a strange way to pray. He's praying for his disciples, actually, when we read through further verses. And he's saying, glorify your son that you, Father, may be glorified. It's all about his glory. And verse 5 says more, it's more about Jesus and the Father being glorified. And, and it's just, I think, and it's verse 3, it says, in this eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. So it's about God's glory. But as followers of his, we experience and know his glory. And so he commands us to sing. But there's something so important. Jesus is praying in these, in these verses that his death and his resurrection will come to fruition, is going to happen, that people will see the glory of God. Because if not, if Jesus is not glorified, then there's nothing. That sounds pretty glum. But he did, obviously he won the victory. He was glorified. He rose from the grave. We are made to know this, to love, to treasure this above all things. So when we worship... We can know what we're made for. We're in touch with why we were created. And Jesus knows this. So when he's praying this, he's saying, Father, let them see my glory. Let them see something of me. Let me be glorified so that these can know eternal life. My followers, so it's not just his disciples. It's a lot of prayer over our lives too, that we may know something of the glory of God. He knows that it's for our best, is to know the fullest and deepest expression of joy. And in the same chapter, John 17, verse 22 to 24, it says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation's Of the earth. There's this real sense as you read through those verses that he wants to share his glory with us. So he's commanding us to sing, not because he's stamping his feet, not because he needs it, he needs us to, you know, bow the knee. It's because we experience him. As we sing our songs to Jesus, we experience him, we know him more. What a great thing that is. When we see his glory, we receive something of his glory that we might know we're loved so much that it brings unity to the church, even more that the world may notice this. When we sing, we're declaring something to the people around us. Whether they're hearing or not, we're declaring something of how good God is. So we see that he's commanding us to sing is an act of deep love towards us. It's not an egotistical thing whatsoever. I wish I knew this all those years back, but I didn't. But I know it now. He commands us to sing because it's for our good. He's going to do us good when we get into his presence and receive his love, know his love more powerfully, more intimately, and we get something of the glory of God. So that's that second point. And the third point is singing honestly. And um, I thought this is important to say, really, because he not only... uh, Yes, I don't know why I've put that. Sorry, my notes don't quite make sense at that point. So that's because I added stuff in. Anyway... I believe he not only to sing, but he wants us to do it honestly, okay? What he commands us to sing, he's created us to sing, but he wants us to do it honestly. And the Psalms can really help us. They give us a language, they give us a platform to sing or groan before God. He knows the stuff we go through, right? He knows very well all the struggles that we sometimes have. We have our ups and downs. And we don't need to sugarcoat it. We don't need to dilute our experiences, we just need to be honest before God. And and we're all going to go through seasons of difficulties, of hurt and pain and, and even suffering. And that's a, that's a fact of life. And if you haven't experienced it yet, well, uh, this is the news to you. It's probably going to come at some point. We're going to have struggles in our lives. And I listened to a preach uh, recently. And this guy who's gone through quite a lot of struggles, big struggles, stuff going on in his life. And he said something along the lines of this. He says... He was he was preaching to his church. He didn't lead the church, but he was a significant part of it. And he said, you sang for me when I couldn't sing. He, just coming through the doors of the building was all that he could manage at a certain time in his life when there was a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of heartache. And I thought, wow, that's how we could be. That's how we should be as family of God. Sometimes we don't feel, you know, the, oh, happy day moment. You know, when we sing that song and, think, oh, you know, I'm going through a difficult time well we can sing on your behalf I believe that's what we, as what family you know we sing for one another and uh, we don't need to you know we don't need to be unreal about it pretend everything's perfect and lovely when we're struggling and I think we want to be honest before God we want to be real with one another we want to rejoice with those who rejoice but weep with those who weep and there are three Psalms uh, that we I think can really help us Psalm 8 we won't read through it all because of, because of time, but it talks about how when things are good, when things are true, I'm going to press in, I'm going to carry on worshipping this wonderful Saviour. All that he's done for me, it's all true. Psalm 8, you know, just have a read over it at some point. When things feel good in your life, when everything's fitting into place, this is what the Psalm 8 is declaring. God, you're great. You always come through for me and I'm going to worship you. So that would be one way. So there's three ways I think we can respond to God. One is when things are good, let's come before him and declare how good he is, how wonderful his praise is, how, how amazing he is, that he always comes through for us. And Psalm 6, when life is tough, we can respond again when by saying, being real, saying, God, I'm coming to you. In pain, I'm coming to you in struggles. The psalm talks about anger and you know, um, be gracious to me. I'm languishing; my bones are troubled, etc., etc. Come and save me. There's a sense of honesty before God. We don't need to pretend. We don't need to pretend before God because He knows anyway. We 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 all probably know that, but we don't need to pretend before each other. I think it's really important that we we can sing honestly. And Psalm 34 verses one to six is. When we have seasons of breakthrough, when God comes through, there's been some struggles and God breaks through in our lives. And I'll just pick those three because we want to sing honestly before God when things are going great. We want to sing before God when things are not going well and we we can't even see breakthrough on the horizon. And then we want to sing before God when we have had a tough season and breakthrough is coming or breakthrough has come. We want to be a people before God who sing, but we sing honestly. And we lift one another up. I really, you know, it really struck me when I heard that preacher, when he said, you guys have sung for me. And I think we can do that, you know, as a family, as, as brothers and sisters. We sing for one another and we come before him with real honesty. And the final point is that we are compelled to sing. Going back to uh, Jenny and her Wembley experience, I haven't spoke to her about this. I well, I did ask her, when we come out the ground, you know, it was euphoria. Fulham had won, I'm just wanting to pick you to get the picture. I can see some of you sort of go, oh dear, football. But anyway, Fulham had won, 1-0, back in the premiership, 43 years, never been anywhere near Wembley. And I said to Jenny, how many out of 10? And I thought, it can only be 10. <laughs> it can't be any, it cannot be any less. Um, seven maybe eight i think it was seven and then it went to eight when she saw the disappointment on my face i thought i paid 64 pound for your ticket it's got to be it has to be 10 out of 10 but no jenny was very honest but it's interesting jenny felt no real compulsion to join in the songs I do remember at one point I was jumping up and down and singing some songs and, I'd, and I did catch a glimpse of Jenny looking at me totally, what are you doing, you know, I never knew you like this, I, you know, but anyway, but she had no real reason to do so, you know, I was invested in the event, I was invested in the occasion, I've been invested in Fulham for many painful years, 50 years now and, you know, there's a part we praise what we love, now Fulham, are I'm not going too high on them, It was a moment, you know, and uh, but we praise what we love because when we sing, we is something in our hearts that wants to come out. And now Fulham scored, and almost all of the thirty-eight—I say almost all of the thirty-eight thousand Fulham fans jumped and cheered. Not all—thirty-seven thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine—but but went wild. But Jenny didn't, and uh, but she smiled and she was happy for me. She, you know, that was the—that was as good as it got, to be fair. But. (laughs) But, we, you know, you enjoyed it, didn't you? Please say you did. <laughs> Obviously, right, there is no comparison with a sporting event and the revelation of who God is. Now, the Fulham thing came and went, and, uh, you know, that's the end of that, and you move on, don't you? you get on with work and everything else. But there is absolutely no comparison. However high I might have been about Fulham, however high you might have been about going to a Coldplay concert or a, a Dutch Kid conference, uh, concert, right, <laughs> however high that might be, There's nothing quite not like having revelation from God. So what compels us to worship God? The thing that compels us to worship God is revelation of who God is. So like I say, Jenny was like, well, you know, I've come to one game and so what sort of thing? And I was was sort of involved and I'm there. And so how much more for us as we come before God that we have revelation? He gives us revelation that compels us. So just hearing, he commands you, he's created you for, we need revelation that compels me and you to worship God. And uh, I think it's really important. And that revelation has come with the declaration of good news over your life and my life. It's a declaration, it's a heralding, it's staggeringly good news. It's a message for weak and broken and helpless people like you and I. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We needed this news. We needed the breaking in of the news of the gospel that he died for you and me, that he loves us. He has dealt with our sin. He has dealt with our pain. It's not just a nice message. It's not just a philosophy. It's not even just a theology. It's not a good way of life. It's not ethics. It is a message. It's a heralding of good news that has come to you and me. Someone told it to me. Someone told it to you. And I received that good news and it changed my life. And that's what compels me to worship Jesus. Nothing else, this good news that changed my heart. Luke 2, 10, 11 says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Good news, something has happened. Something has taken place at a specific time something that you and I had no part in. God acted, God broke into history in the virgin-conceived God-man Jesus Christ. That is amazing good news, the heralding of good news that when we believe in that, it compels us to worship him. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't do. He suffered the punishment that we deserved. He rose from the grave with indestructible life that you and I share as when we're born again. More than that, he poured out his Holy Spirit on you and me. It's a promise for everyone who believes in him. And he's coming again. We're not just singing good songs for however long we live, 50, 40, 60 years, whatever it might be, longer. We're going to be singing this throughout eternity. He's coming again to complete the redemption of this world where you and I will be people who live in wonderful, perfect, overflowing joy forever. No wonder there is a sense of, I'm compelled to sing because of all that he's done for us. News of such hope and joy, life-giving, and it's news of global relevance right across the globe, right? There are however many, not loads in this room. But across the globe, people are being compelled, and new people are being compelled to sing songs of joy to this wonderful Saviour. We were in darkness, and he's shown us light. 2 Corinthians 4 Verse 4 to 6 says this For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We were in darkness, complete darkness, and God has shown us the light into our hearts that we can know the glory of God through Jesus. What an amazing promise for everyone who's put their trust in Jesus. And what is that glory? It's to know you're adopted. It's to know that you're an heir of Christ, that your sons and daughters, you're chosen, you're beloved. He will love you with an everlasting love. He's chosen you. You're his treasured possession. And that's what he's done if you're a Christian today. Have you had that revelation? Is that what stirs you this morning to worship him, to come and sing praise to this amazing God? I hope it is. We're going to respond to sing in a moment. And... You know, across this room, there's different emotions. There's different circumstances in our lives. And if that revelation for you has faded, well, the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we're not always on this great high where I'm flying every day of my life. Sometimes it can feel, we can feel jaded. But God is for us. His grace is towards us. He welcomes us in. He welcomes us in. And and so if that's you, I would say, Draw near to God in this time of worship, and he will, he will undoubtedly draw near to you. If you would say today, well, I'm not a Christian even, I would say, well, reach out to God. He wants to reveal his love to you. He wants you to know him. He will meet with you. And, and if you're one of those who are you know, in that category I spoke of earlier, that you're hurting, remind yourself of the truth. Drink in the truth of the songs. Let it wash over you. Just even put your arms out and go, God, I'm in a painful place. But I'm going to listen to these people, sing these truths over my life. And if you're living within the good of all these, this revelation of all that the good news means to you and what it means to the world, we're going to stand and sing. But even if you're in that place of, yeah, I'm flying with God, that's wonderful. There's still treasures forevermore to explore and know about God. So even if we're like, we're peaking, there's still more depths to explore and plumb the depths of who God is. So... I'm going to hand over to Jake and then we're going to sing and worship this wonderful Saviour.